hope everyone had a good Christmas. Um, uh, if you'll recall, I, I um, earlier this year uh, cut my tip of my finger off chopping some onions. Uh, and so this for this Christmas, I asked for a, a Japanese kitchen knife, the sharpest knife I've ever owned. And it came with a little band-aid and a note that said, don't forget to wash your fingers. So I know exactly what that's like. Uh, I want to invite everyone to open their Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Uh, we are beginning a new series, uh, and we're going to be in the book of Proverbs for the foreseeable future. And I, I find uh, the book of Proverbs right occurring right now at the turn of the year to be really appropriate, uh, because Proverbs is a book of wisdom, and uh, may the Lord teach us how to walk in wisdom with a new year. Uh, so today we begin in Proverbs, and we'll be in Proverbs chapter 1. So as many of you know, I'm from Mississippi, and that means a lot of things. Uh, but one thing it means is that I grew up not really knowing how to tell the truth well. Uh, so we just don't want to hurt pe- people's feelings so much that it's hard to be honest and to be blunt with people, you know, to tell people kind of what they need to hear. So what we do is we're masters of beating around the bush. So if someone does something that, you know, we don't like or they shouldn't do or they say something, you know, we, we say like, well, you know, have you thought about this? You know, or, or maybe you should think about it this way. We don't really ever get around to saying what the issue is, right? So if this other person is, is like gossiping and so instead of saying you shouldn't gossip, we just say, well, you know, they're, they're a nice person too, you know, like we don't really confront the issue. People in Mississippi are nice, for sure, but in my own experience, uh, it had people not telling the truth, being afraid to tell the truth, was just being afraid uh, and, and trying to avoid conflict, right? We don't like conflict in Mississippi, so we avoid it as much as possible. Now, when Mallory and I got married, she being from here and I being from Missouri, she used to talk about how stunned she was at, at the cultural difference between southern Missouri and south Mississippi, but in my mind, one of the greatest cultural shocks I had was whenever I met someone from Pennsylvania for the first time. Now, I don't know if you know many Pennsylvanians out there, uh, but uh, they don't know what beating around the bush means. <laughs> uh, in fact, it took me a while to get used to how differently he spoke. I mean, he just was really like upfront and outspoken about stuff, like to the point where I didn't like him at first. Like, he's kind of rude. But I, I eventually I just would tell people he's rough around the edges, you know. They prepare like my family if they came to visit me and they saw him. He just be, be prepared. So then a few years later, Mallory and I moved to Virginia, and the pastor that I worked with, he's from Pennsylvania. So me, uh, a good old boy from Mississippi who doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings and avoid conflict, paired with this guy from Pennsylvania who frankly, doesn't care. <laughs> He's going to tell you if you need to hear it, whether you want to hear it or not. Uh, and so what's funny also that I've learned about uh, people from Pennsylvania is if they don't think you're funny, they're not going to laugh. In, in Mississippi, we have a pity laugh, right? So like, even if your joke stinks, we'll at least go, <laughs> you know, like kind of like that. But him, him, he just kind of nods and just goes. And if he really laughs, you know that you, you've, you've made him laugh. And so one time, you know, early in my pastorate here, I called him for some advice on the sermon outline. And he and so I was like, what do you think about this? And he was like, well, you called me, so I'm going to tell you, it's not good. <laughs> so if I need some blunt honesty in my life, call my pastor in Virginia. 
get some Pennsylvania in there. The book of Proverbs is all about a dad getting honest with his son about life. And I think if you're, whether you're from Mississippi or Missouri or Pennsylvania, we want our kids to grow up in blissful ignorance about life, right? We don't want them to know about death and suffering and sin. So we don't really want to talk to them about it. It's awkward and it's sad, and we try to avoid those topics. We don't want to imagine our kids giving into sin, and so we don't talk about it and we don't talk about it. But in Proverbs, Solomon pulls no punches to talk about every area of life to help his son. Live successfully and and live prudently. The thing about wisdom, though, that is often frustrating for us is it's sometimes black and white, but often gray. Often wisdom is not black and white. What should I do in this situation? Sometimes the answer wisdom gives isn't what we want it to be. So having wisdom then means being able to apply our knowledge of all that God's Word says to all situations, even when the answer isn't always clear. That's what it means to have wisdom, biblical wisdom, to apply God's Word, the whole breadth of God's Word, to all situations of of life, even when the answer may not be clear. I think our speaker just died. Wisdom requires deep thinking. It's not one of those things that that you can just do spur of the moment. This thing loves to to do that. It's not one of those things that you can do spur of the moment. Wisdom requires exercising a deep kind of thinking. I'm sorry about this. I'm trying to figure it out. And wisdom not only requires deep thinking, but it requires prayer. You can't, you'll never be able to apply wisdom apart from committed prayer practice. The book of Proverbs stands at... Sorry, hold on one second. Okay, we'll try this out for a little while, see what happens. I'll figure it out. Forgive the technical difficulties. The book of Proverbs stands as a book. Alright. We need to do one of these. Yeah, I'll just use this. And I, I know I, I probably don't need a, a, a microphone in here, but it's good for people who are turning in live. So, what I was trying to say. The book of Proverbs stands as a book of guidance during trouble... Troubled and confused time. It's that speaker. I'm not even doing anything. It's just popping. Pop, pop, pop. Here. What if it's this? What if I turn this off? Okay. Maybe that'll be better. Don't kick that. Okay. It's good. All right. Do you want to follow God? Get wisdom. Let's dive into the text this morning and discover what wisdom is all about. Uh, And usually I have the text on the screen, but I didn't put the whole chapter on here. I just have the one verse, so follow along in your own Bibles or just listen as I read Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, 
king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. My favorite Christmas movie that I have to see every year, it's, it's my top one, is Charlie Brown Christmas. Right, and you all probably know this movie. If you haven't watched it, you're dead to me. But uh, the, the movie is all about how Charlie Brown is trying to figure out the meaning of Christmas. Right? Is it, is it in, in materialism? Is it in consumerism, money, or gifts, or whatever? And so uh, the peanuts only add to his confusion by telling him different things. And it's only at the climax of the movie when Charlie Brown finally cries out, Can anyone tell me what the meaning of Christmas is all about? Does Linus tell Charlie the true purpose of Christmas? I think many of us somewhere along the way, we wonder, what is wisdom all about? You know, we cry out with Charlie Brown, can anyone tell me what wisdom is all about? And that's exactly what Solomon answers first. So here in the first seven verses, we have the purpose of wisdom. The purpose of wisdom. So what you need to notice about verses 2 to 6 are, they are what's called a, a chiasm, right? And so a chiasm is simply a way of writing to connect different ideas together. Uh, so 
think of a triangle, right? On this point, you have A, halfway up you have B, and at the pinnacle you have C. And on the other way down, you have B2, and on the other side, A2. So A connects to A2, B connects to B2, and then you have C, the pinnacle. So in this passage, if you look, if you look at your Bibles or follow along, in this passage, verse 2 is A, and verse 6 is A2. Verse 3 is B, verse 5 is B2, and then verse 4 is the pinnacle, it's C, it's the pinnacle of the chiasm. So, now that we have that, the first part of the chiasm is verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight. And it's corresponding point, verse 6, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Do you see how these two verses are saying a very similar thing? The ability to receive knowledge, instruction, and words of wisdom, to reflect on them and to know what they mean and to measure its truthfulness is wisdom. Simply put, wisdom is the ability to think well. And that's really important because we are not to be mindless consumers. Right? Many people mindlessly consume uh, music or TV shows or, or movies or social media or pictures or what have you. And all those things are good and right in their place. But what marks the Christian apart is having the wisdom to think deeply about what's being said, about what's being portrayed, about what's happening in our own hearts. So, so the purpose of wisdom is to give us understanding. We want understanding. The second part of the chiasm is verse 3. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and in equity, which corresponds to verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. We don't want understanding just for understanding's sake. Right? We don't want just to understand to have this like world of knowledge or intellect or whatever. We want to understand so that we can live rightly. That's exactly what verse 3 means. Wise dealings, righteousness, justice, equity, that all of those words mean what it takes to live a right, upright life of integrity. We want to apply what we understand and what we know to our lives. To be able to look at a situation and make the right move or say the right word or not say anything at all. That's what it means to apply this kind of wisdom. But how then does verse 3 connect to verse 5? Look, verse 3, receive instruction in wise dealings, live rightly. Oh, okay, I can see that. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. How do those connect? Because applying what we know to our lives takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. Wisdom is not only the ability to apply what we know, but the ability to add to our wisdom. Already here we're starting to see humility because you can't add to your wisdom if you think you already know everything. Wisdom requires humility to know you need more wisdom. Have you ever had to deal with someone who won't listen? 
You can talk to them until you're blue in the face. You can change your words. You can change how you say it. You can send it over email. You can say it over text. It doesn't matter how you say it. They just won't listen. Wisdom is the humility to receive that and add it to your arsenal. And so we get to the third part of the chiasm, what is the pinnacle, verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Wisdom is not for the high-minded. Wisdom is not for the Wizard of Oz. Wisdom is for the Tin Man. It's for people who know they lack wisdom and want it. The simple are those who walk around life literally stupidly, right? It mean, what it means to be stupid is to be unthinking. You're uncritical and you're unthinking about life and what you do and what you receive and what you hear and listen to. So that's what it means to be simple. And then the youth, right, to, to give uh, knowledge and destruction to the youth, right, it's easy enough to understand, right? We were all teenagers, largely driven by impulse, not really thinking about our decision. I mean, when I was a teenager, right, I want to steal a sign because, yeah, it's fun, it's risky. Uh, I didn't admit anything. Uh, I just said I wanted to steal a sign. And so the book of Proverbs is an invitation to those who have the humility to know they lack wisdom and want more. And we're not just talking about this worldly kind of wisdom that simply comes with age or experience, although a certain kind of wisdom does come with those. No, this kind of wisdom begins with God. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. David Platt um, rightly said that wisdom is the fruit of a right relationship with God. Wisdom is the fruit of a right relationship with God. The purpose of wisdom begins with the fear of God and the purpose is more of the fear of God. Not like a servile fear, like, oh, I'm afraid of God, but a, a holy fear, a reverence. So we won't get any of this right. We won't get any of this wisdom right until we learn the humility-inducing, gratitude-producing fear of God in Christ. That's the beginning and bottom of all wisdom. Um, when I was little... Our dad used to take me and my brother hunting. Uh, and I recently, it was 20 years between now, then and now when I went hunting with Craig. But the purpose of hunting is to learn, right? You, it's not, it's many things. Purpose of hunting is to learn to appreciate nature, right? You really learn to appreciate nature. You, you develop a, a gratitude for how God sustains us through the bounty of the earth. And, and another purpose is to enjoy the life that God has given us, right? But you can't enjoy the purpose of hunting if you don't also ver follow very strict, very serious safety rules. Wisdom is much the same. Enjoying wisdom means we must not only understand its purpose, but secondly, its protection. The protection of wisdom. Solomon writes uh, in verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction." And forsake not your mother's teaching. 
if you read Proverbs, and you'll see as we go through it, how often he uses my son. I mean, he says it over and over and over again. And I, I'm reminded uh, of when I teach uh, my Chinese students online, right? So they're in China on Beijing time, and I'm here. And at 4.30 in the morning, my brain isn't working right. So I often, like, will forget their names or get them mixed up, right? And, and I get it all confused. And, and it's not... It's not their Chinese names, it's their American names. So I'm calling Joe Mark and Jojo Boris, you know, or whatever. And so I'm getting them all mixed up. Calling them my student wouldn't really mean much to them. But Solomon's use of my son is is very personal and very intimate, right? He doesn't mix up who he's talking to because the subject matter is too serious to get mixed up. Why? Why? Look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for but blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. I have to be honest with you here. I kind of I read that and I kind of think like, who would be enticed by that? You know, it, it honestly like it's like the uh, thinking of the Wizard of Oz. It made me think of the Wicked Witch of the West. Like, <laughs> let's go, you know, like kind of like I don't know about you, man. You're kind of strange. But hear me. It doesn't take much imagination to figure out that the Christian life is very difficult. All along the way, there's a thousand things that entice us and tempt us with promise of reward, right? Precious goods and filling our house with plunder. There is a reason Hebrews 12.1 warns us to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. That's exactly what these verses are about. Sin is wanting what we can't have and trying to get it in ways we aren't allowed. Sin is wanting what we can't have and getting it in ways that aren't allowed. And I think one reason why Solomon writes the way he does, uh, uh, talking about sin this way, is to show its ugly underbelly. Right, Sin is seditious and scheming and it always harms others. Let me repeat that. Sin always harms others. Even secret sins don't affect just you. They always harm the innocent. But to us, it, it doesn't look that way. Sin looks innocent. But we, what we end up doing is harming the innocent. So sin not only harms others, but it always demands a price. That's what he says in verse 17, for vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. It's ironic, isn't it? The sin we scheme for pleasure ends up doubling back to harm us. The amount of pleasure we receive from sin pales in comparison to its price. It's like stories I've heard of people with pet snakes. 
if you have a pet snake, I don't get it. I'm sorry. This doesn't make any sense to me. But I've heard stories of people with pet snakes, and they think their snake is, like, cuddling with their baby, when in reality it's growing and growing, waiting for the day that it's big enough to, like, eat their baby. You research it, okay? You'll never get a snake again, even if you don't have babies. They think this snake is attached to them. It's not. It would eat you alive. Verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. So church, wisdom is protection. It's protection from that which would kill you, harm you, and destroy you. So Solomon writes of the the purpose of wisdom. He writes of the protection of wisdom. And lastly, he writes of the primacy of wisdom. In my mind, and you might think of wisdom like this too, I kind of, uh, without thinking about it, think of it kind of like a fish, right? It's hard to catch, and then when you have it, it's all slimy, and, and before you know it, it wriggles out of your hand. But wisdom isn't like that at all. Solomon tells us in verse 20, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. Wisdom cries aloud. Wisdom wants to be found. The problem is competing voices. Look at verse 21. At the end of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Wisdom cries out. She shouts. But... If you imagine a market or a city street, it's noisy. It's really noisy. One of the frustrating things about parenting, it could be many things, but one of the frustrating things about parenting Willa right now is she's old enough to know what we're saying she and she knows our voices like she knows what we're saying and she knows what what like she knows our voices, but it's frustrating when she chooses to ignore us. We know she hears us. We know she knows what she's saying, but she continues to go on her own anyway. It doesn't matter how much we raise our voice or how often we call her name. It just depends on how much she would rather do something else. Sometimes it's inconsequential. Sometimes it's dangerous, like playing with a socket. Wisdom wants to be heard and wisdom wants to be found. It just depends on how much we want to listen to her. The thing with wisdom is that it's not a matter of maybe I'll listen this time, maybe I won't. It's not a matter of whether the consequences at the time seem great or not. Ignoring wisdom is always the deadliest blunder. Look at verse 23. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way 
and have their fill of their own devices. Remember what we saw in in verses 2 to 6, right? We want wisdom not only for understanding, but for the application of that understanding. We want wisdom in order to live rightly. And so ignoring wisdom is to fail to apply it. Today, we might think this sounds good. Today, we might say, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. But as long as we don't apply it, we're ignoring it. It's exactly what James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In other words, the failure to apply wisdom isn't neutral. Ignoring wisdom is to walk in foolishness. And so the voice of wisdom takes primacy because to ignore it leads to destruction. To listen to it. Verse 33, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So there's no neutral position here. There's no coasting. We are either actively listening to and applying wisdom and actively on the path of life, or we are actively ignoring wisdom and actively on the path to destruction. This is the primacy of wisdom. It's the voice you can't ignore. As we go through the book of Proverbs, we'll learn that wisdom is a lot like marriage, right? In marriage, you're learning what your spouse likes and what they dislike. You're you're learning what works and what doesn't work. And so you do all of these things, you put in all of this effort because you love your spouse. The book of Proverbs hinges on chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We seek to apply these things. What works? What doesn't work? We, we seek with wisdom and deep thought and prayerfulness to apply God's word because we love God. We don't automatically know, right, in every situation what we should do. We don't automatically know how to please God in, in any situation, but that's exactly what wisdom is about. You will seek wisdom and you will apply wisdom because you love God. God in the same way that you love your spouse. But it starts with the fear of God. The beginning of wisdom is repentance and faith in the one who is wisdom. In Christ Jesus, it begins there. It begins with the one, Paul says, in whom dwell all the knowledge of God. That's where wisdom begins. So before we ever leave here and try to live wisely and do all these good things, it starts with repentance and faith in Christ. And if you have not repented and trusted in Christ, you're walking in the path of foolishness and destruction. But if you turn to Christ now, wisdom holds out her hand to you to walk on a path of life and fulfillment. Wisdom's call is the call to trust in Christ. 
and to ignore it is the height of folly, the height of destruction. But Christ, who is wisdom, offers all that he is and all that is treasure to you if you will just repent and believe in him today. This year, as we turn to 2021, we live in increasingly confusing times. Harder and harder it is to know what it means to live wisely. So let's seek God with earnestness and humility, asking him, like James says, to give us wisdom. Help us to live wisely. Let's pray. Father, you are a wise God. You not only teach us how to live, but you put warning sign after warning sign after warning sign of what it means if we ignore your calls to listen. You are a merciful and gracious God. And Father, we come to you as sinners who have no wisdom. We might know a lot. We might be believers all our lives. We might have great biblical knowledge. But Lord, because of our sin, we don't know as we ought. Because of our sin, we're not as wise as we ought to be. Humble us, Father, and keep us humble. Help us to walk in the way of wisdom, to listen earnestly and thoughtfully and deeply and prayerfully to your voice that you speak to us in Proverbs. Father, we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.